Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Prosperity by the Pine. I'm your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success all while having a cold beer. Cold beer of the week from New Belgium. You guys know they make some of my favorite beers. This is uh, from their Voodoo Ranger line. It is their Higher Plane IPA. I was just telling Allie, and I think I, I mentioned this before, the Ranger IPA, just traditional Ranger, used to be my favorite. They don't make it anymore. Apparently something happened with the particular types of hops. They killed them all, uh, and it's very sad, but these Voodoo Rangers that they keep making are trying to live up to the standard. We'll see. Cheers. Ooh, it's good. Uh, a little bit malty in the finish. I prefer a little more hop bite, but that's pretty damn good. All right. Episode 81, impact investing or investing and making an impact. That's going to that's gonna be our working title, Allie. So impact investing, what is it? What does it mean? What do you do? What's going on with that? Impact investing is a broad term for a category known as, uh, which is another broad category term, socially responsible investing, which is uh, ESG, which is economic, social, and governments. What that means is that it tries to filter portfolios to companies that using have responsible environmental, I said economic, I meant environmental, social and governance policies to be inclusive, diversive, not harmful to the environment, etc. And uh, that also under socially re- responsible investing, there's other types uh, such as biblically responsible investing, which is uh, kind of similar, but they try to screen for different things that have a bl- uh, biblical purpose to them. So for example, they don't care so much about environmental concerns with like big oil, but they just want uh, the environment to be used responsibly. But they might filter out things like tobacco, alcohol, drug use, um, pornography, etc. cetera. Uh, you also have um, Sharia law, uh, com- compliant investing, which tries to filter out companies that uh, are anti-Sharia law. I'm not an expert on that, so I won't dive too much into it, but you get the ideas. Impact investing is trying to put your dollars to work behind your particular set of values. And so I'm going to make some arguments today that might be controversial, but uh, shoot me. All right. So is it really feasible to invest according to your values? Uh, is it possible? Yes. And it's possible. Um, but is it feasible? And are you going to be satisfied by the results? So the first thing is, let's think about this is with ESG in particular, ESG is the biggest of the trends, or even biblically responsible, I could go I, I can make this argument there too, is you're going to have companies that you believe are not socially responsible. But are going to be treated as extremely socially responsible when it comes to these socially responsible screens, depending on how who's doing the screens. So you have like different associations that are rating these companies in different ways. Uh, and so it's not like a uniform approach. And also there's not a, 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 you know, a way for you to really dial up environmental and dial back social or governance, right? And so what you end up having, and what I'm trying to get is, is you as an individual have a value matrix. And that value matrix, it's going to be unbelievably difficult, if not impossible, to get a product or portfolio to align completely with your value matrix. Unless you're going to go out and pick the individual stocks and know each one of those companies. And I don't think that that's super uh, feasible for a well-diversified portfolio. So my point is, I think it's very 
admirable to try to put your money where your your mouth is, right? Like I've had people call me and say, I want out of Facebook because I can't stand the uh, the, the the suppression or the I think Mark Zuckerberg is a, a, a POS. I think that they're uh, contributing to hate groups. I think this, I think that, I think whatever, right? And you could probably do that with one big tech company, say, I just don't want to own it, right, if you're going to have an individual stock prop, uh, portfolio. But to say that with the S&P 500, I don't want any company that contributes bad to environmental policies. Well, like every company relies on trucking to a certain degree, which contributes a lot to uh, you know, carbon in the atmosphere. So what are we looking at here? We're just going to buy electric vehicle companies or alternative energy companies. That doesn't, that, 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 that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Just buying that. So my point being is that I just don't think it's very feasible. I think it's admirable. I think wanting to exclude certain industries is, is really admirable. I just don't know that it's super practical. I make exceptions to this for a couple of things. One, if your values mean significantly more to you than your your money and which I think for many people could say yes that's true and you don't mind if the values start to get blurry because like I said I don't think there's a way to make the product work completely uh you know completely for you if that makes sense right there's no way to say that this is Bryce Carter's value portfolio there's just no way to do that so you have to say okay my my money my values are worth more to me than my performance okay that's fine we can we can invest according to your values, but there's not really a uh, Bryce Carter uh, portfolio value matrix. So we're just going to buy biblically responsible, which excludes all these different companies. And I might look at that and say, yeah, but I'm fine with that kind of company. I'm fine with that kind of company. I don't have an issue with alcohol companies because I'm drinking beer. Right. So uh, so then all of a sudden it's like, well, am I really putting my money where my mouth is? Because I'm, I'm now excluding uh, from my portfolio certain companies that I don't have an issue with and just in spite of the companies that I do have an issue with. Does that make a lot of sense? I don't think so. So my, my point would be this is you have to have be comfortable with one, your portfolio underperforming or overperforming dramatically. Uh, I'm, let me spend a second on that is Anytime you go ahead and you add a filter or screen to your portfolio, you are going to either over or underperform. It could be dramatic. It could be marginal. And the reason being is, let's just say that we take out uh, banks. And let's say banks are the best performing. You just underperformed. Let's say banks are the worst performing. You just outperformed. And it's not going to be that you're going to be able to predict that your values have a better or worse performance uh, you know, situation than, than just the general market, right? You can't know that. So you have to be comfortable with two things. You have to be comfortable with one, over or underperforming the benchmarks, the indexes, based on the fact that your values have a different allocation than the benchmarks and the indexes. Or, and you also have to be comfortable with your values being fuzzy uh, when it comes to implementing the portfolio because nobody's going to align with your value matrix exactly. I will make an exception as I believe that our religious institutions should uh, invest according to their values. Um, and so I think that for individuals, it's different, but I think a, I think a, uh, a, a church, a religious institution, a Catholic diocese, whatever it may be, should be investing the, the, the parishioners' uh, donations that they are investing in a foundation, a scholarship, or whatever it is, along the lines of their I don't, I'm not saying that they should. I guess I misworded that. Not that they should, but I think that that makes a lot more sense than an individual trying to align and piece together their value matrix with, with a, 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 an investment portfolio product set that works like that. So let me tell you what I think might be a better alternative than this is all called impact investing, right? 
is investing and making an impact. So I'm going to take a quick beer break here. So this, I think, might be a better alternative, and that's in investing and making an impact. And that's just simply this. Let's invest. Let's not exclude companies based on our values. If you want to, some, that's fine. But let's just invest. Let's try to get really good returns in our portfolio over a long period of time, and let's donate some money to make an impact. And I think that that has a lot more profound impact. It's direct. It's exactly the causes that you want. If you want to donate towards child welfare, um, uh, abuse prevention services, you want to donate to making sure that that, that underprivileged Kids have something to eat when school's, you know, virtual and, and, and they normally get school lunches and you want to, that I think has a direct material impact that you can see and feel and, 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 and actually get some sense of reward from rather than just excluding Marathon or BP or ExxonMobil from your portfolio. Again, might be controversial, shoot me. But here's the deal is that when you, when you invest and you do well, you, you should, I mean, Ideally, you would have access funds and you can make a direct impact with those. There's tax benefits to it. Let's not forget about that. There's no tax benefits by impact investing, but there's tax benefits big time by making donations to charity. And, you know, I wanted to give a couple of examples of ways in which you could donate using your investments and, uh, you know, tax efficiently, right? So you could just make a donation. Um, that you could do that anytime, but let's say, for example, that you are over the age of 72 or 70 and a half and you have to take minimum distributions at the age 72, it used to be 70 and a half. You have to take required minimum distributions from your IRAs, your individual retirement accounts, your 401ks. Now, when the tax bill got passed, the tax cuts and jobs act of 2017, they made the standard deduction super high. Uh, and so with a super high standard deduction, most people, something like 89% of Americans, just take the standard deduction. Well, here's the problem with that. And I'm not saying it's a problem, but it's a little bit of a problem, is that if you donate to charity, you normally would get a deduction for that under the fact that you're itemizing your deductions. But because the standard deduction is so much higher than what people would get itemizing, even if they are donating to charity. Most people are donating to charity now and not even getting any kind of a deduction. Now, there's a couple hundred dollars that you can take without itemizing, but that's beside the point. Is So the standard deduction is super high. In order to get a deduction for donating to charity, you have to itemize. Most people can't itemize because their standard deduction is higher than their itemized deductions. Does it make sense? So Here's a way around that for older uh, investors. If you're over the age of 72 or 70 and a half and you're required to take distributions from your IRA, you can, instead of taking those distributions, paying tax on it, and sending that money to a charity, making a donation, you can just have the money sent directly and trying to get a deduction. You can have that money sent directly to the charity. And then it never appears as income to you. It counts as your required minimum distribution. You satisfy that IRS requirement. Uh, requirement. However, you never have to actually claim income. So it's it's not a deduction because it's not a donation to the charity. It's just the money went directly to the charity, so it never applies this income to you. I get this might be a little bit of a, uh, 
complicated concept to normally I'm writing it on a whiteboard. But if you listen to it a few times, I think you'll get it is that instead of taking your distribution, paying tax on it, and then making a donation and not getting a deduction because you don't have enough deductions, you can just have your distribution go directly to charity. You never receive it. It's called a qualified charitable distribution. My brother has written a fantastic article about this on our website at fsgmichigan.com. Second piece, there's a really cool tax strategy called a donor advised fund. And I find that these are, these are just really cool for family legacy giving, giving and, and creating a, a legacy of giving in your family. So you take a sum of money, <clears throat> you donate it to a donor advised fund. A donor advised fund is actually a charity in of itself. And then it can stay invested. It can stay invested in the exact same stuff that you had before, or you can diversify it. You can do whatever. And then every year, and some years you might not want to, you can send donations out of your donor advised fund that you control, manage. Uh, you can have your kids be a part of it. It gives good donations to different charities. So you can say, I'm giving this money to, uh, Fidelity has one. Fidelity has a donor advised fund. So you're basically shifting money from an investment account to a Fidelity donor advised account. It, you get a deduction for it. And then each year you can send money out of that account excuse me, donor advised fund to different charities. And so it's kind of like a little bit like a private foundation without all the costs and uh, legal structure and maintenance of that. It's just a really creative way of giving to charity and passing on that legacy of giving. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I didn't give you much of a review on this beer, so I apologize for that. It's an IPA. It's not a hoppy finish. It's a malt finish. I'll take it. Don't forget to subscribe, YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. That's where we are. Cheers. The topics that I discuss in this podcast are meant to be general information and educational only. I'm not giving you specific advice because I don't know you personally. In order to give you specific advice, you should work with an advisor or someone that can learn your specific situation and give you advice that applies to you. If I talk about a specific security, please keep in mind I'm not recommending that security. And don't forget, investing involves risk. When you invest, there's always the possibility of losing capital, which is why you should consult with a qualified, licensed financial advisor prior to investing.